Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Dr. Karen Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Every week I say it take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life. And I mean that even when life doesn't go as planned. And for those of you who've listened for a while, you know that much of what we talk about on Love and Life refers to those situations in life that were not scripted, those situations that we would have planned if we'd had the choice quite differently. And yet here we are in this circumstance. And what are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? And one such scenario that many people are finding themselves in involves being part of a step family. In fact, according to the Step Family Foundation, 1,300 new step families are formed every day. And over 50% of U.S. families are remarried or recoupled. And of those who do remarry, 66% of those marriages end up in another divorce when kids are involved. So obviously, the blended family doesn't always blend so easily. And that's one part of what we're going to cover on Love and Life today. We've talked about parenting, we've talked about families, but we haven't covered step families per se. And there's so much going on with step family relationship. So this is just an initial foray into the topic of step families. And we're going to look at it from a unique angle. We're going to look at stepmothers in particular who enter a step family without children of their own. And so what it means to be a stepmother without your own bio kids, because of course some families are made up of his kids and her kids and they do the Brady Bunch thing and go from there. But some of us, and that's actually me included, enter a family where we are not biological mothers and yet we become stepmothers, which is a somewhat unique arrangement. And not only is it a unique arrangement, it's also a somewhat precarious role to take on because the stepmother role is a loaded one. And we'll talk about this more later in the program when I interview Kelly Palmquist, who's written about this subject for Stepmom Magazine. But just to set things up, let's take a quick look at the research regarding the stepmother role and how stepmothers are perceived somewhat differently than stepfathers. I'm referring to now a study by Dr. E. Mavis Hetherington. She's a psychologist who conducted a longitudinal study for over three decades, looking at 1,400 families who had experienced divorce and remarriage. And what she found was that, whereas stepfathers were oftentimes appreciated for the role they played in the family, for bringing in financial support, providing mom with companionship, and even becoming a friend to the children. However, stepmothers were not perceived in the same light. Dr. Hetherington found that there was more intense resentment towards stepmothers when compared to stepfathers. And there's so much at work here that we'll look at later in the episode and also look at in subsequent episodes. 
But for now, it's safe to say that stepmothers have challenges, and they are different from the challenges that stepfathers face and that other parents face. And that's a lot to examine in an episode, but we're also going to throw in one more variable. As I said earlier, we're going to look at stepmothers who don't have their own biological children, and we're going to look at stepmothers who don't have their own biological children but want their own biological children and have experienced infertility. And you're probably thinking, okay, this is getting really heavy duty. And it is. And the reason I wanted to address this is because I came across on Instagram, I follow Stepmom Magazine, and I saw a post which featured an article by social worker Kelly Palmquist called The Childless Stepmom, Six Ways to Cope with Infertility. And I thought... Oh my gosh, being a stepmother is a huge challenge. And oh my gosh, infertility is a huge challenge. And this woman is dealing with both of them. And I wonder, does she have a community? Is anyone talking about this? Because my sense is that this is one of those circumstances that there aren't that many people who get it. And what I've found is that We all feel somewhat alienated from time to time. Probably all of us have something in our lives that seems so different from everyone else's. We all have that one thing or maybe several things where we go, no one gets it. No one understands me. And we feel isolated and alienated. And I thought, I want to hear Kelly's story and I want her to have a platform to talk about it And maybe someone out there will feel encouraged and feel that, you know what, I'm not alone. But just before we speak with Kelly, I'd like to play a clip from a movie called Stepmom. It's an older film now with Julia Roberts, Susan Sarandon, and Ed Harris from a long time ago. I found a scene that's really poignant and really just displays the complexity of the stepmom and biological mom in this case relationship and what it means to be a stepmom, what stepmoms hope to mean to their stepchildren and how that hope may or may not become a reality. But it's a really lovely clip, just a few minutes, and then we'll get into the interview. Always being compared to you, you're perfect. (laughs) They worship you. I just don't want to be looking over my shoulder every day for 20 years knowing that someone else would have done it right, done it better the way that I can't. What do I have that you don't? You're Mother Earth incarnate. You're hip and fresh. You know every story, every wound, every memory. Their whole life's happiness is wrapped up in you. Every single moment. Don't you get it? (laughs) Look down the road to her wedding. I'm in a room alone with her, fitting her veil, fluffing her dress, telling her No woman has ever looked that beautiful. And my fear is that she'll be thinking 
I wish my mom was here. And mine is, she won't. But the truth is, she doesn't have to choose. She can have us both. Love us both. And she will be a better person because of me. And because of you. So now let's talk with Kelly Palmquist about this subject. Kelly Palmquist has a master's degree in both counseling and social work. She has extensive experience in mental health, long-term care, and medical social work, and currently works as an advocate for veterans. Her blog, Sunshine in Heavy Weather, aims to help women navigate life's challenges with grace and gratitude. She also brings her unique experiences as a stepmom to her contributing writer role with Stepmom Magazine. Kelly, welcome to Love and Life. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I came across your article in Stepmom Magazine, and you tackle a subject. It it falls under one of those categories that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Maybe people are having this conversation somewhere, but I'm not privy to it, and I don't hear people talking about it a lot. So I was really pleased to have the opportunity to share what you contributed to Stepmom Magazine this month. This month, we talked about experiencing infertility as a stepmom. I think that a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but people do talk about infertility at times. But I think as a stepmom, when you experience that, it's a whole different kind of ball of wax. And I wanted to reach out to the readers of Stepmom Magazine who were maybe experiencing the same thing as me to let them know that they they weren't alone. Well, exactly, because we all go down our unique path. And we and that's fine. You know, I, I always think about when we were in college and we're in our dorm and we're best friends with our girlfriends and with our roommates and we think, you know, we feel so similar. And then life just shoots us off into these different trajectories. And sometimes we feel so alienated even from people who once were our just closest confidants. And so for me, very similar to you, I don't know anyone else who's a stepmother but doesn't have their own kids. It's really interesting when you talk about your best friends because we all do take different paths. And most of my friends, uh, you know, they have children, young children. So there's the first piece of that that I have. He actually just turned 18 on Saturday, my stepson. I have a few friends who have experienced infertility. However, I don't have any friends that are stepmoms and experienced infertility. Or like you said, yeah, I do have a, a friend who is a, a stepmom, but she has an ours baby with her husband. So I did very much have felt like I've been on an island, kind of living my own existence over here. And it is a, a topic that I think should be talked about because I'm sure there's other gals out there experiencing this too. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the beauties of a podcast is that, you know, we will use hashtags to try to make this episode searchable to the women that we hope to connect with to let them know you're not alone. You're not the only one out there in this circumstance. And, you know, one of the things that you brought up in the article that I thought was really interesting, and you basically said, consider sharing or not. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. When I talk about considering sharing or not, you really have to kind of consider who you're speaking with. There are people who I think are empathetic and receptive, and this is something that you can talk about with them. This is something that's 
for me at least, is a very vulnerable part of my life. And so I choose to share my heart with only certain people. There's a lot of people that I just kind of have a surface level conversation about this with. So when someone says, oh, do you have any little ones? You know, I just say, oh, not yet, instead of kind of giving them the whole story, because I have to protect my heart, you know, and it can depend because there's days where I feel totally okay with the way things are. I'm happy to be a stepmom and have my career. But then there's days where I feel very raw and vulnerable about it. And those are the days that I definitely don't share with folks. And I just kind of give them that standard response. It reminds me of a story. I was on a plane. I was going down to Florida for a girl's trip last year. And you know how people on a plane, they start chatting you up. And that's great. That's fine. This woman next to me just asked me, because I mean, and, and let's talk about this too. I mean, probably the first question that any woman asks another woman is, do you have kids? It's like before anything else about you or about your entire being, they first want to know, did you procreate? (laughs) Have you done what women are designed to do? And if you don't do it, you're a failure. And I know they don't mean that, but that's what we lead with so often. So this woman asked me, do you have kids? And I said, no, I don't. Because I just wanted to leave it alone because I really didn't feel like talking about it because I got married at 42 and my husband and I went through some procedures and we gave it a go, um, you know, long story short, but it didn't happen. That was something I had to reconcile with. But like you, it's a very, very sensitive topic and I never talk about it. So it's just because, like you said, protecting your heart. We're sensitive people, many of us, most of us. So anyway, I tried to just kind of shut down the conversation with this person who I'd met all of 20 seconds ago, but she was not going to be deterred. She was going to soldier on and we were going to talk about kids. So she kept pushing, oh, you don't have kids? And I go, well, you know, I got married at 42, a little bit later. Well, you can still have kids. And I, again, trying to derail, didn't want to go there. I said, you know, well, I have three stepkids. I thought this would, you know, placate her. See, I am kind of a mother, like ish. (laughs) You know, I have mothering to do in some capacity. And so then she kept pushing about that. Well, how's that going? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is none of your business. And shame on me for failing to realize, you know, when someone asks you a question, you are not obligated to answer. (laughs) Something that I'm still learning in this life. But so she kept pushing. And then she's like, well, so, you know, so you want your own kids, right? I mean, literally, this went on and on. Yeah, I think we live in a very um, mom-centric society in that there's so much of our worth that's associated with being a mother. And that so many people have a very narrow vision or scope of what motherhood means or look like. And so many people think, well, don't you want babies? Or why haven't you had babies yet? Or, you know, not even strangers. I mean, people, family members who who know me and friends who know the situation still will ask about it consistently, even though I've been pretty upfront with those people closest to me. And it's just amazing the that people do lead with that so much and that it's so much at the forefront of people's mind instead of asking me about, you know, my career or my husband or my stepson that it's it's about when are you going to uh, reproduce? <laughs> well, I wrote a book called Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. And what's interesting is that so many of the themes that I address in that book, having been single for a long, long time, and getting also very invasive, intrusive questions thrown at me by random strangers, or like you said, even family members and people who are close to me who I would expect that they would maybe have a little bit of sensitivity to understand that, you know, kind of Hey, if 
if I want to talk about this, I'll bring it up. <laughs> Otherwise, let's talk about, yeah, my career, my travels, my hobbies, my volunteer work. And <laughs> there's a lot of other things we can talk about. I've also found that when people read my book, some of them said, you know what? It's not so different. It's pretty much any sensitive topic that maybe someone else hasn't experienced themselves. And so they lack that understanding that really this is something that's kind of off limits unless the person who's going through it brings it up. And again, I know people are well-intentioned. They're not out to hurt us. They're not out to, hey, let's talk about the most painful thing in your life right now at 10 a.m. But it's still, that's that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you hit on something really important there that we know that people uh, come with the best of intentions. And so, you know, we, I think we are very patient with people. I, you know, I, I know that I am, and I'm sure you are as well, like you were with that lady on the airplane, that we, we are <laughs> patient with people and understand that they're coming from a good place. However, I also think it's important that we talk about this so that maybe eventually there's a little bit of a shift and people maybe think again about before really pressing people on these type of questions. And, you know, maybe if one person hears this and then they think to themselves, gosh, I, I do that with women I just meet, right. you know, that maybe someone else doesn't have to experience that. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I would think with people that you just meet, probably let's just talk about something else like the weather or, you know, the royal wedding coming up. That's fine. That's safe. You know, but even for close friends, then one of the tips that I've given single women and encouraging them to tell their family members, hey, you know, I know that your questions are coming from a pure place and you want me to be happy, but I want you to know I am happy. And if there is something really spectacular happening in my love life, you'll be the first to know. You know, I would love like in a perfect world, I'd love for people to maybe approach someone like you or me with the question from a perspective of, hey, you know, hey, Kelly, this is something I don't hear you talking about. And maybe that's because it's it's something you don't want to talk about. But also, I know that motherhood is a big deal. And and so if it's ever something you want to discuss, you know, please, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and hope I could be supportive. You know, something like that is like a way of kind of broaching the subject and then giving the person that you're talking to permission to either go, yeah, you know, thanks. I, I kind of do feel like talking about it. And this feels like a safe context now, as opposed to kind of bombarding the person or interrogating them. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because when you think about when we talk with people about other things that are maybe sensitive in their life, whatever that may be, um, you know, say, you know, someone just went through a recent breakup, probably the first words out of your mouth aren't going to be how you handling the breakup. You kind of see, right. you feel it out and you see, is this something that the person really wants to talk about right now? Or do they maybe want to stick to more surface level topics? And I think if we can do that with infertility, that a lot of women would probably find navigating those conversations better, or that would give me a cue that perhaps this is someone that I can share with and I can let my guard down with because they've shown me that they respect that this is sensitive and they're empathetic to that. Yeah, I love that, that they've shown that they respect that this is sensitive. I think that's really, that's really well put. Something that we could generalize to many domains of life. Let's just try to be a little sensitive. You know, people are going through a lot uh, underneath the surface. So one of the things you talk about, which I love, is celebrate what we have. Even though, you know, no one is a little girl and thinks, 
I can't wait to be his second wife. <laughs> you know, I'll walk down the aisle and I'll be the bride number two for this guy. <laughs> you know, no one plans this. So when you talk about celebrating what you have, like how did that kind of start to sink into you and help make a difference and help you find the beauty and the joy in a circumstance that you wouldn't have scripted out for yourself? You're absolutely right. When I was a little girl and I thought about what my life would look like, this wasn't it, whether it's, you know, having a stepson or, you know, struggling to have a baby or living in the UP. I didn't plan that either, but here I am and I, I have a great life and I'm very happy um, and very fulfilled with the life that I do have. I was 26 when I met Pat. So my stepson, Ethan, was uh, 10 at that time. And I was, you know, pretty naive and kind of thrust into this into this role. At that time, he was with us every other weekend and summers. And so I, I dabbled in it and I started to learn about how to be a stepmom because no one gives you a, a, like a handbook on that or what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to interact with his mother or any of those type of things. But when he moved in with us full time, that's when things really became challenging, but also became really special for us. I think our bond really grew in that time. And I don't know that I could face the infertility is related to having diagnosis of endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that's been a tough road for me. I've had um, multiple surgeries and it's it's been challenging. And I don't know that I could be as accepting of that if I didn't have my stepson, because I feel that he's enriched my life in so many ways and made me a better person. As a stepmom, you know, we take the back burner a lot because we're good enough for pickups and drop-offs and, um, you know, school functions and homework at night and the nitty gritty. But then there's days like Mother's Day where we are expected to automatically take a step back. We have to learn how to be okay with that. And there were times as a stepmom where I wasn't and I felt feelings of jealousy or sadness. But my relationship with him and the special bond that we share has taught me so much about myself and has taught me to be selfless. And I think that if I ever do have the opportunity to bring another child into our home, whether that be through me carrying a pregnancy or adoption, I'm so much more prepared to be a mother than I was when I got married. Yeah. And it's hard, I think, because the stepmother is vilified in our culture through the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen and all the fairy tales, the wicked stepmother. I mean, that's a very, very salient and powerful stereotype in our culture. And of course, we should be considering the kids because they didn't ask for this. They didn't choose this. They didn't want us in their lives. And that's something that I would think about a lot when there were some bumps in the road with my stepkids. I thought, you know, they didn't ask for this. I didn't destroy their family because I came on after the divorce. But there's still this is this new woman who's in their face all the time. And, and so of course, the kids have to come first and foremost. At the same time, we have feelings too. And it's very easy for stepmothers in particular to be vilified. I was looking at some of the research and it shows that stepfathers are typically more accepted by the kids quicker than stepmothers. And that might be that the father role in some cases is more distant in general or because the stepfather may be 
providing financially for the kids and the kids can see that. Whereas a stepmother, how she's providing for the family is is less tangible. But yeah, I'd be curious to hear what you think about just the stepmother role in general and your experience as you've been moving through this. Yes, absolutely. That is so true. I was just talking with my best friend about this. Um, she grew up with step parents on uh, both sides, a stepmom and a stepdad, and had a different kind of experience than the one, the relationship that I have with my stepson uh, wasn't easy for them. And she said, to be honest with you, before you were a stepmom, this was my opinion of step parents that they kind of are just coming in, messing things up. So that was really interesting for me to hear. And so I had to really define for myself what kind of a stepmom I wanted to be. And that wasn't easy. Yeah, I love that you bring that up because it's something I've I definitely experienced and I've never really articulated the way you just did the role. Like I remember when we first got together, I remember thinking, well, when we first got engaged rather, I remember thinking, so I think I'll just be dad's wife and I'm here, I'll be pleasant and kind and supportive and encouraging and fun. I'll try to be fun, <laughs> you know, because I have nieces and nephews. So I thought I can do the fun aunt role and I'll just transition that to the step family. And my contribution will be because, I mean, they have a mom and she's very involved. And so I'm not going to try to step on any toes or not trying to do anything there. So I will be dad's wife and I love your father so much and I make him happy. So that will make you happy because dad's happy and that makes kids happy. You know, that, it's really, that's how I had it. I had it in my head. This is what's going to happen. But even though the kids were not little, there were still some very, very rough patches of developmental transition and that should have been expected, but <laughs> I didn't really expect it. And it, which is funny is, is that I'm a psychologist, you're a social worker. And if we didn't anticipate some of the bumps in the road, who would, right? So then the role became, I realized that the role couldn't be just the fun, almost ant-like figure because there was just parenting that was, when they were in our house, there was still parenting that needed to be done. And that was hard for me at first because I had a say and I wanted to say what I had to say. You know, I'm a developmental psychologist, so no, I'm not a parent, but I've studied some stuff pretty intensely. And so what I will say is that because my husband was so receptive and supportive of my opinion and really understood that when I would say something that I was coming from a place of love and expertise based on my academic domain. And so there was that support. I can tell you that when I had some opinions about what was going on with these developmental transitions, if my husband had not been supportive of me, that would have been a huge problem in our marriage. And these were kids that were not living with us full time. But still, there were enough bumps in the road that I really needed him to be on my team and knowing that I was still looking out for his kids' best interests. And that's I'm sure that's tough for a parent to navigate now thinking from my husband's perspective because, you know, he's the guy who broke up their family, right? He and he and their mom decided to part ways. And so oftentimes there's a, the guilt related to that in terms of the, the bio parent, whereas the step parent is going, hey, I see this more clearly because I don't have this 
connection to these kids the way you did. I didn't change their diapers. I just see what they're doing at 18 years old and it's not okay. <laughs> oh gosh, so true, so true. Because we come into this at a, at a later part of their life and, and with a fresh perspective because of our background and because we are coming into this later in, in the child's life. And luckily with me too, my husband uh, has always been very perceptive um, and welcoming of my my thoughts and relies on on me a lot. And we talk through things, which if it wasn't like that, I think we would really struggle because co-parenting with one another in a household is challenging enough. And then you add in another household and her partner. And so there's four of us trying to parent the same child. And we all come from different backgrounds, have different opinions. And so uh, my husband and I really have to be a cohesive unit. It's it's really critical. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I just have to give a shout out to my husband again, because with some of these challenges, he, I mean, he'll say things like, you know, it wouldn't have gone down that way without you. You really brought that perspective I needed because he's in it. He doesn't see it as clearly. And that was very affirming for me because there were times when I felt like I'm becoming the wicked stepmother here. <laughs> you know, there's a reason that stereotype exists. It's because we we morph into these women that, that we don't even recognize ourselves. <laughs> and it's really crazy. Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I'd love to connect with you on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. Here I share my thoughts on love and life through original quotes and images. I'd love to have you join the conversation. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. You can find me live tweeting my favorite shows, This Is Us, Will and Grace, and My Guilty Pleasure. All shows Bachelor Nation. On Facebook, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. There you can read my blog, see where I'm speaking, and find links to others' podcasts when I'm a guest on their show. You know, and getting back to the, the topic we talked about just a little bit earlier, because I think it bears repeating, people are very quick to dismiss, well, you knew he had kids. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that means because I knew he was divorced and because I knew he had children, that means that anything that I experience, I have to completely minimize and dismiss. Oh, absolutely. So say one of your friends who has their own children, we don't say to them, well, you knew you were, it was going to be hard when you had kids. <laughs> but people say that to step parents all the time. Well, you knew right. you had a kid or you kind of knew it was going to be hard. But even if you know it's going to be hard, it doesn't prepare you to walk through those waters. Yeah. And I think that, that is the takeaway that I definitely hear if folks are able to get there. And, and honestly, I was looking at the statistics, remarriages with children involved, they're about 60 to 70 percent chance of divorce with these marriages. So if you're able to get through and really stay in love with your husband, despite the challenges, then, I mean, we're, we're kind of, we're warriors, I think. <laughs> We've made it. <laughs> and, but the payoff is wonderful. You're right. Cause I mean, I don't have kids and, and so these are my kids now and I love them dearly. I feel very protective of them and I feel very um, proud of them, even though I showed up later. <laughs> There's portions of of their development that I go. I think I think I played a little role there. You know, I, I think I can take a little credit there. Absolutely, yeah. And he will say this, and I don't say this to be boastful at all. You know, I think that he would say, you know, without me in his life, maybe certain a 
certain thing wouldn't have happened. And he can articulate that, which is really wonderful. Just like without his mom, certain things wouldn't happen or without his dad or, or his mom's boyfriend, you know, we all play our role in his life and can all be proud of who he's become. And we all have a piece of that. Excellent. Yeah. And then just uh, as we leave listeners, can you share your friend Nikki's perspective? I just loved that. It was probably my favorite part of your article. I thought it was it left a very poignant message with the reader. Yes, absolutely. She so she is a stepmom and then had an ours baby with her husband. And I asked her, you know, because she's someone I've always I picked her brain because when I first met her, she was they didn't have the the baby together. They had her stepson. And so she really helped me navigate that. And she, uh, I kind of have gone back to her from time to time. And I said, well, what's, you know, because I, I don't know if I'll ever experience being a biological mother and what's the, is there a difference? Do you feel differently about these two children? And she said, you know, I, I love both my boys equally, but the fact that her stepson chooses to love her he doesn't have to, but he chooses to love her is so meaningful for her that that is, she said, that's just the most fulfilling and, and life-giving thing that he made that choice to love her. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to leave with that because I just thought that was such a lovely, lovely reframe. Um, my listeners know I'm a big fan of a reframe and I'm sure you are too as a clinician, just to look at this whole scenario and then twist it and go, they don't have to love us, but oftentimes they do. And what a beautiful gift that is. Kelly, what else do you want to share with listeners? Anything else? Where can they find you? We talked about it at the top of the hour, but um, go ahead and let them know where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. So I am my, online. My blog is sunshineinheavyweather.com. I talk about being a stepmom and uh, coping with chronic illness and all the different kind of happenings in life and, and this journey we all take together. So that's where you can find me there. I'm on Instagram at Kel Palms, which is K-E-L-P-A-L-M-S. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. This was really fun. And I always love connecting with another stepmom. So it's been great. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. The love and life hack for this week is you're not alone. And I know that that's a cliche and I hate giving you a hack that's a cliche, but really that's what this episode was all about. To let you know that whatever that thing is, that thing that you feel so alienated from everyone else about, that thing that you are really convinced that no one gets, someone gets it. Someone out there gets it. You are not alone. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Until next time, make it a great week. Dr. Karen Love and Life is produced by Chip Gregory, Senior Producer Michelle Musso, and Host and Executive Producer Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. 